Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trump. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heeple falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brendan Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia. On this episode, we have plenty of topics uh, to choose from. From the Hall of Fame announcement happening earlier today to the next round of the CBA talks with the players and the owners. And even to a little bit of news coming from a Angel Hall of Famer, a Hall of Famer in general, uh, Rod Carew. We'll get to all that in a second. But first, I kind of want to talk about, um, obviously, what has been something that is um, top of a lot of people's minds right now. And that is the Hall of Fame announcement who gets in, who got left out. Obviously, you know a lot of the names that were up for um, up for the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, most notably, obviously, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, those kind of guys were um, on their last year of eligibility. Again, once you are eligible for the Hall of Fame, you have 10 years to get in. After that point, you are taken off the ballot, and it's up to a special... Um, advisory committee if you will to um vote them in so that's kind of where the barry bonds and roger clemens are going to be at this point but they did not get in on their last chance to get in on uh, the riders votes and for new fans of just baseball or maybe just don't know the ins and outs of how this stuff become or how how this stuff works um it's it's fairly easy uh, baseball writers have a like a union, the Baseball Writers Association. Uh, you have to be part of that association, I believe, for I want to say 10 years or somewhere around that before you get a Hall of Fame vote. These are also the same kind of guys that vote for postseason awards, MVPs, Cy Youngs, all that stuff. So it's kind of the same group of people. Well, those people are also in charge of the Hall of Fame voting and who gets in and gets out. 75% of their vote needs to be... Um, you need to get 75% of the vote to get in. Obviously, this year with uh, Bonds and Clemens coming up a little bit short, they were around, I believe, like the 68 to 69 percentile where that does not get them in. The only person to get in this year was Boston Red Sox. Well, Minnesota Twins, the Angels. It's funny. I, I don't know where Angel fans know him more. Um, whether it be the O2 Twins where the Angels beat them in the playoffs or his time in Boston. Obviously, if you ask the, the, the you still ask the general fan, he's going to be the Boston Red Sox DH, um, now Hall of Famer. David Ortiz is the only one to get in this year for the Hall of Fame. And if you don't know 
David Ortiz and kind of his past. Again, it's kind of, I believe this whole era, you know, you want to talk about a uh, question real quick because we are on Instagram Live. Is Tim Meade still involved with the Hall of Fame? No, he is not. Um, and even when he was involved with the Hall of Fame, it was more of a guy that ran the um, uh, stuff behind the scenes and got the ceremony already and got all that kind of stuff. He had nothing to do with the voting or non-voting and stuff like that. But anyways, um, David Ortiz does have a little bit of a PED suspicion in his background. Um, like a lot of guys in that era, you're talking about, you know, the early 2000s, probably all the way up till, you know, five, seven years ago, to tell you the truth. And obviously a lot of guys I believe that are in the Hall of Fame have used some form of PEDs or something like that. So uh, when guys like Clemens, when guys like Bonds, when guys like Ortiz have come up on the ballot personally, even though I don't have a vote, I honestly thought that they should get in. I don't know how you tell the story. And I think that's what this Hall of Fame is, is a way to tell the story of baseball throughout the years. The good stuff, the bad stuff the record setting stuff, all that. I think that's what the Hall of Fame should be used for. And they do use the word museum when it comes to the Hall of Fame. And I think you cannot pick and choose what you what kind of history you want to preserve. Barry Bonds is still going to be the home run leader. Barry Bonds is still going to be one of the best players out there when you talk to players. So for him to not get in, I was really, really shocked. I was really hoping for him to get in and and, you know, Obviously, the writers do what they do to kind of like punish him in a way, I guess, making him wait all 10 years before they let him in. That's what I was kind of hoping for. Um, but there's a lot of old school writers and and old school baseball guys that just don't feel like he should be in or any of these steroid uh, PED type guys should be in, even though David Ortiz got in. And if you don't know kind of the background with Barry Bonds, he was uh, the to put it frankly, he was kind of a dick to writers when he was playing. He wasn't the easiest guy to get along with. He wasn't the easiest guy to cover. He had kind of a vendetta with the writers, and he made it very hard for them to do their jobs, which, you know, as someone, if someone's, you know, holding you back to do your job, I can make it, I can I can understand why you kind of hold a grudge. But for the writers, it still seemingly hold that grudge. I, I just can't go with, you talk a lot of the new age Writers, the guys that are maybe, you know, 40 and under, maybe like 43, 44, around that time. A lot of those guys would vote him in and did vote him in. Same thing with, and they did the same thing with Ortiz and they did the same thing with, with Clemens. It, it, it's part of history. And I think even if, even if the Hall of Fame came back and said, you know what, on the plaque, we're going to have a little sentence or two that says what he was, what he was, you know, um, accused of then. Okay, fine. But I just don't think, um, I, you just, I just don't think that is, you know, the way to go leave them out. I don't think that's the way to do it. I think you have to show all the history of baseball when guys are setting records left and right. Uh, again, we're on Instagram live halo underscore Haven, uh, big red said, uh, Bonds was no was way more obvious. You look at Bonds when he was on the Pirates compared to when he was with the Giants. No fucking way Bonds should have gotten in. You know, he got bigger. Obviously, he got bigger. And you can do that eye test. He got stronger. He got bigger. He got a little bit slower. 
He still put the bat on the ball. Anyone that's played baseball, I've talked to guys who play baseball at the highest level, to hit the ball regardless of what you're on or not on is still <laughs> really, really hard. But you want to talk about Barry Bonds and what his physically appearance looked like. I get it. That's obviously the big elephant in the room. But at the same time, the guy that got in and David Ortiz, and again, he deserved to get in. He should have got in. If I was miraculously given a vote, I would have voted him in. But you have to look, too, at David Ortiz and what he did later in life. You want to talk about what Bonds did physically to his body. You know, we are in an age now where 30 and 32 and 33 is like over the hill for baseball. You know, it, it looks like um, it, it looks like people's careers are ended by 32. But yet you look at David Ortiz and his numbers he did later in life. Um, and I think that, that has a lot of questions, too. How does a guy at the age of like 34 all of a sudden or 33 become like the best him? There is something there. And again, you could talk about Bonds. You can talk about what he physically looked like. And part of it is on baseball. You know, they didn't test for certain things until way down the line. So Bonds has technically never failed a drug test. So if you're going to look at it that way, you know, same thing with McGuire and Sosa and those guys where they got all this Android and all the other stuff they had like in their locker. But at the time, the players union, the players union and baseball never tested for it. So whose fault is it then? The player trying to get to that advantage or the lack of I get institutional control, I guess, or whatever on Major League Baseball and the players to let them do that and not get not and them knowing we're not going to test for this stuff. So you know, there's a lot of that stuff going around. And I think for people to say, well, Bonds was using, Bonds was using, kind of makes it feel like that he was like the only one. How many of his home runs or how many of his, you know, doubles or whatever, how many of those were off of Juice Guys too? I don't think it's fair to think that Barry Bonds, because of the PEDs, he was the odd man out. He was the black sheep. He was the only one using because God knows that wasn't the case. You know, you might have a pitcher. You might have like, you could have faced three pitchers all in one night and all three of them could have been using. No one knows. No one knows. And that's what the hard thing is with this era right now. And even more guys coming up. You want to talk about, um, you know, steroids or whatever, getting you bigger. Look at Bonds' walk total. If, if you think that Bonds didn't know how to control his strike zone or you think he got it because of um, PEDs or whatever he used, look at his walk. I don't care what you use. You know, I don't care, you know, what you put into your body. You have to be able to control a strike zone. And Bonds to this day was the very best at it. I just think um, there are certain things that you have to look at that have that even if he did use, didn't use, again, no positive tests. Again, there's a lot of hearsay out there. And again, there's a lot of hearsay for everybody. Piazza, there's a bunch of uh, uh, rumors around Piazza. There's a bunch of rumors around Ortiz. I mean, there's even a, a, a kind of sketchy positive test for Ortiz that got leaked out that should have never been leaked out, but it got leaked. So there's a lot of stuff that seems inconsistent with the voting of the Hall of Fame. Um, so it says Big Red. So you, wanna, you want you want to out uh, in Bonds in the Hall of Fame, then put in Sosa or, Kles or uh, uh, Kes uh, Jose Canseco. 
I don't think those guys are Hall of Fame worthy. Again, you're generalizing. I think everyone's generalizing is, well, if he's in, you put all the steroid users in. And I don't think that's that's the purpose. I don't think that's what you do. It's like you're trying to paint everything with a broad brush. Look at what he did before. Look at what he did during. I mean, you talk about the Pirates. Bonds was a phenomenal player with Pittsburgh. That cannot go unsaid. Again, look at his strike zone. Look at the stuff he did even when people thought he was on that wasn't connected to it. You know, Jose Canseco, you know, for a couple years, again, kind of in the Maguire stage where he, in a couple years, yeah, okay, cool, he did all right. But you can honestly see the downfall for him, and he let a home run bounce off his ball, off his head. So let's go there. Um, you have the power with stairways. You have power all all over the strike zone. But you got to hit the ball first. got to be able to dish, differentiate a strike and a ball, and no stairways at all is going to do that. Bond should be in. Bond, and again, tell the story. I'm not saying sweep it under the rug and act like it didn't happen. Tell the story. If you want to put him in a different wing, if you want to put all 2000, you know, to 2000 and whatever, whenever they started testing, 11, 12, whatever. If you want to put those guys in a separate wing, then do it. But I truly believe that Bond's his skill set transcends that. He got it. Yes. Because you know, the story is obvious that the reason why he started lifting and trying to get bigger and trying to get better is because these guys, Maguire, Sosa, who weren't nearly as good as Bonds, you know, before the um, home run chase, were getting all attentions. And Bonds at that point won like three MVPs and was getting no love. Maybe part of it was because he was, in, uh, uh, was a pirate. I don't know. But I still think Bonds should have got in. I still think Clemens should have got in. This is an argument that's going to be going um, for a while now, and I understand it, but I believe in December they have a chance to get in anyways with a, um, I think it's called the Veterans Committee, and I think that's um, older players, coaches, and all that stuff, so we'll see how that goes. Um, he doesn't use stairways uh, to us. He still gets all the fame that he got. I don't think he does. He wasn't, so you can't say he was going to. He wasn't at that point. That, you know, the Maguire Sosa home run chase that's when you start seeing you know the advertisement you know chicks love the love the long ball and Sosa McGuire on the, on the front pages of Sports Illustrated so to sit here and say that even if he wasn't using he was gonna get the love I highly 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 doubt that uh do you think there's some West Coast bias in the voting lots of West Coast players didn't vote well versus East Coast players lots of these writers don't even stay up late to watch the East the I'm guessing you say West Coast players I think I think that's part of it I, I think um, there's always going to be that because who's staying in, who's staying up till one o'clock, three o'clock, um, in the morning to watch, you know, Seattle and Oakland play. There's probably not a lot of them, but I think that's just general, that's just general baseball coverage. Um, I don't think it's any fault to anybody. Uh, but, but like I said, if you're a writer based out of New York or based out of Florida or based out of Georgia and the angels game starts at 10, and goes to one o'clock, two o'clock. I, I and I can't fault him for not staying up. I wish there was an easier way to kind of disperse it and kind of uh, maybe you do it by um, regions. And I, I don't know. I, you know, I think I, I wish there was a different kind of setup with the voting. What it is, I don't know. Maybe you don't have a hundred percent of the writers vote. Maybe you divvy it up. Maybe you give eight percent of the power to the voters. Maybe you give ten percent of it to former players. Maybe you give it to the other 10% to uh, former managers and front office people. I don't know. 
but there there seems to have to be a, a better way of doing it than writers who quite honestly yes they're human they can hold grudges they if someone rubs them the wrong way then i can totally understand then i can understand having a bias to that person or non-bias to that person even if they think they don't it's, it's it's human nature like if mike trout comes out next year and says since he left the bc he was using stairways he is no longer a hall of famer um i don't i don't think so i mean I guess it depends on what you're saying. He never tested positive, so obviously he's not using anything on the ban list. So whose fault is it for not keeping up with the Joneses? Is it Trout's fault or is it baseball for not keeping up with these substances that are going to come out? And honestly, it, that's, and that's what it is. I'm not here to say everyone's doing it, but I'm sure there's something going around right now in baseball that we have no idea that is concocted in some kind of a... Um, laboratory in a, in a beaker that we can't test for, that they can't test for, that, that, that players are like, oh, let me just try this. Oh, I feel better. What what, what we do then when down the road we were, athletes were taking this and then 10 years down the line, it's now illegal. Like, do we not, do we have to now change it? I, I don't know. Um, when you have to use something to better the game uh, from pine tar to steroids, whatever, it's wrong. So let me ask people this, and I'm interested to see this. So performance enhancers, right? In theory, you are given a certain set of gifts when you are born and when you grow and when you develop into a certain baseball player, football player, basketball player. You are born with a certain set of gifts that you have to mold and develop and work out, work hard for. Performance enhancing. What's the difference between performance enhancing, putting some kind of cream on you to um, regenerate muscles so you're not as sore the next day or able to bounce back from an injury faster? What's the difference between that and taking a, a shot to uh, numb the body so you can get out there and pitch? What's the difference? Is it because one's illegal, one's not? Or you know, what's the difference between that and altering your body? What's the difference between that and give doing LASIK. What's the difference? LASIK, I mean, that's performance enhancing. Now you can see a ton better. Now you're able to actually see the ball, see the ball into the strike zone. What I guess my biggest thing is what's the difference between a PED that gets you out on the field quicker from injury and a guy that gets his eyes redone so he can see better. Both weren't God given. Both weren't, you know, I turned 32 and now it's not like I can see better. No, that, you know, what's the difference? I just understand, I guess, that's my biggest thing. You want to see players out there. Baseball thrives on their stars being out there. I just think if you're taking something to get out there quicker, I don't see what the problem with that is. If Mike Trout can come back from the 15-day DL and play just as well as when he went off, I'm okay with that. Maybe that's just me because, um, you know, maybe that's just me because I'm an Angels fan. Is LASIK an unfair advantage? I, I don't know. Is it? Is it if if I'm going to be holier than thou and not put anything in my body or change anything with my body to make, give me an advantage? Isn't it? Isn't it an advantage? Unfair or not, it's an advantage. Granted, anyone can get it done, just like anyone can probably walk into know someone that knows someone that can get them stuff. But what if I have? What if a player has issues with? You know, I don't trust it, or I don't. I. Don't, I I feel like, you know, that's not right for me and I'm scared of it or I don't, I'm worried about coming out blind and then they don't want to do it. So I guess 
that's my thing. I, I I don't know the difference. I think there's a lot of things people things go things that happen, things like that, um, that are out there that players use. Again, what's the difference between using a PED and a quarter zone shot to get you, get out there and pitch? What's the what's the biggest thing between using um, some kind of cream or clear to get your muscles, um, you know, reconditioned to get out there faster compared to some of the stuff that the, the the ball players use or anything like that. I, I just, I think it, there's a very, very fine line that I don't know how we rightfully, you know, if, if bonds never took PEDs, but took quarter zone shots and took all this stuff that was given by the team and, and, you know, uh, muscle mass uh, stuff from GNC and all this stuff. Does it, is it still the same thing? I don't know. Uh, so putting glasses on you so you can see better about her eye average because your eyesight uh, sucks naturally but using pine tar or something substance to better your curveball isn't the same. Uh, I think, honestly, when the pine tar thing comes up, they're trying to get an advantage. It is up to the umpire, it is up to the officials to catch them. And again, it's a sports. And it, it sucks to say, but if you're not cheating, you're not trying. At a certain point, you put these officials, these umpires, these people in MLB, people in uh, whoever's running the drug test, you put these guys in power because you can't trust the players. I mean, that's why they're there. If everything was an honor system, you wouldn't need umpires. You wouldn't need referees. You wouldn't need a drug test. But it's not. There's never going to be. These guys are there for a reason because you cannot trust the players. So when the players are getting away with something and these guys whose job it is to not let them get away with it fail, it's on the players. But yet the guy didn't do his job to catch them. So, again, that's my thing. Players can't be trusted. Uh, you know, yeah, well, I was a coach, and I don't know if uh, you've coached before, anyone's coached before. There is a little bit of a line, you know. Obviously, you're not going out there to try to injure a person, but there's been plenty of times where we could pick up signs or we know what, you know, this player's doing or player, that player's doing. Is that cheating? I don't know. Is there a way we kind of found out that, you know, this player might be a little bit hampered and slowed? So, hey, let's attack that area. Maybe. But I don't know if that's necessarily with malicious intent. Um, telling all these youth kids trying to make it to college and beyond, you're telling them to cheat or you're not trying. I mean, I think, honestly, if you're trying to get a scholarship, again, umpires are there. Do it. Um, it's just playing smart. Why is that playing? Like picking up science is just playing smart. So again, there's that line where you have to distinguish between what's smart, what and what's illegal. If we know an offensive tackle is is injured, has you know, we see him come off the field and he's grabbing his hamstring, and we go at him, is that cheating or is that just gamesmanship? We're not trying to hurt him, but we know if he's hurt, we go at him, we'll have an advantage. If we know that the delay a game or we know we jumped off sides, but no one calls it, is that cheating? If the ball goes out on us in basketball and we don't call it on us and the referees get it wrong, is that cheating? Or is it gamesmanship? I guess there's a really thin line of what's what and what's not. So that's the Hall of Fame. Again, this thing can go around forever and ever. Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. 
Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection between sports and non-sports. Not only do they have the All Angels podcast, but they also have plenty of podcasts for other sports and other teams. From Chicago Bears to the Indiana Pacers, even the Atlanta Braves who won the World Series. Check out sportsdrink.org. Again, that's sportsdrink.org. Or go to Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled without the vowel, so S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K, on Instagram, and follow them there. So next topic I want to talk about a little bit um, is Rod Carew made some waves on Twitter Um this last, I, I believe, as I'm looking up the date, on the 21st, so that was Friday, um, Friday night. And what Rod does on Twitter, and he does it a lot, and, I, and it's really cool to kind of see that. You follow Rod Carew, at Rod Carew underscore 29 on Twitter. Um, obviously, if you're an Angel fan, you know exactly who Rod Carew is. You know um, what he's done in this in his career, both with the Twins and with the Angels. And again, he's just on there taking questions from fans. And one guy asked him, how does he, how does he divide his allegiance from the Angels, and again, to the Twins? Um, you know, he had very good careers with both teams. Um, he, he, I believe he has his home still in California. But the guy just asked him, how do you divide your, your time with, with both teams? And this is Rod Crew, uh verbatim i'm reading his tweet right now quote i love angel fans as much as the twins fans i grew up in minnesota but my home is in california to this day i have friends at both organizations who cherish who i cherish the only difference is that the angels leadership does not want me to be involved in their club and the twins do now this made a lot a lot of waves in the angel community that day and probably like the rest of that weekend you know, uh, retweeted uh, over a hundred times, liked over uh, 1,800 times. So this, and I kind of posted about on our on our Twitter, Halo underscore Haven. This shows how much the Angels front office ownership president, all those guys are kind of dropping the ball in this history lesson or the history of the Angels. Angels for a newer team again, and they are a newer team. Um, they're not a, a team that's been around since the 50s, 40s, and all that stuff. Um, they do have kind of humble beginnings, but there are a handful of players that the Angels can really shine and, and, and or um, can shine up and, and, and put out there in front of fans to say thank you to fans, um, embrace the, the history of the Angels, you know, MVPs and all that stuff. And to hear this from Rod Carew that the Angels' leadership doesn't want him involved in the club, you know, it, it makes me ask a lot of questions. Is that the case for a lot of guys? You know, it would be great to see Nolan Ryan at a game. It would be great to see, um, you know, Chuck Finley, Tim Salmon more. Tim Salmon obviously works for Fox Sports uh, or Bally's now. But other than that, you don't really see him involved with the team, you know, and, and that makes me think until Trout became Mike Trout, Tim Salmon was Mr. Angel, and to some people, he still is. Why is his number not retired? Is it because of what kind of Rod Carew is talking about, where the Angels organization doesn't really want the past players really involved? I don't know if that means involved in, hey, let me show up to batting practice and kind of talk to the guys. 
I don't know if that means let me make some appearances or, or let me do some of the stuff around the team. I don't necessarily sure what that means as involved, but the fact that he's not at any point really sucks for Angel fans because he should be involved. Angel should open their arms to some of these past players that made their maybe not made their names with the Angels like Carew because he was a great player when he came over, but had a, a great finish to his career, had a great you know prime of his career. Like he mentioned in in the tweet, he grew up in the Twins organization as a kid, started his career there, but. You can definitely tell, you look at his numbers and look at his time, he definitely matured as an angel. He definitely matured um, as a California angel. And for him not to get, I feel, the respect that he deserves from Artie and the guys that, again, weren't there when this happened. So I guess that's part of it. They don't have an emotional connection to the guy. But to hear him come out and just flat out say it on Twitter, it's shocking and it sucks because for as much as we talk to angel fans, whether it be at games on here on social media, through the podcast or anything, one thing that a lot of people want is the angels to embrace their past, talk about their past, do some kind of giveaway with their past. You, you talk about stadium giveaways and you have a Mike Trout, you have like three Mike Trout bobbleheads and another like three Otani bobbleheads. And then you have like one Nolan Ryan one a few years back. But since then there's not like a Tim Salmon one. There's not a, uh, Vladimir Guerrero. Well, there's one when you got into the Hall of Fame, but there's not a Tory Hunter one. There's not great players for the Angels. There's not a um, uh, uh, um, Wally Joyner one. There's not, you know, the, I just wish they would really, really think about embracing their past more. And it's unfortunate that they're not able to, or they have not to this point. So, Hopefully that changes. Hopefully enough people retweeted it and shared it and and tagged Angels PR with it and they can do something come up in this upcoming season. So we'll see how that goes. But hopefully something changes. Something needs to change. I, I truly believe it. Do something to embrace your past. Embrace um, past players and, and all that stuff because that is something the Angels are really, really lacking. And bring back some throwback jerseys. We talked about it. I feel like we talk about twice a year, three times a year, every year. The Angels need to do something with their throwbacks. Do it more uh, than just a weekend. So, I, I, you know, do it every Sunday. Do something. I think they need to do more with their past. Um, was he referring to field involvement or in the office? He did not specify what kind of involvement he was talking about. So I don't know if it's involvement as, hey, I want to go talk to the guys before a game. Or if I want to hang around batting practice and talk to the guys around the cage. Or I, I, I think he's too old for coaching, so I don't think anything like that. Maybe like a mentorship and they don't want him around. Um, I don't know about front office either. But, you know, I'm sure Artie can find a way to get him in that front office. I mean, if he's wanting to do some kind of public appearance on the behalf of the team, that thing would sell out instantly, you know, and, and have him talk about where the direction of the team's going and, you know, maybe kind of spin it and, and kind of be um, a hype man for the Angels. And, and people will buy it because it is coming from Rod. But unfortunately, it just seems like the Angels have no interest in that at all, and I do not understand why. Do you think Artie Moreno and or John Carpino are uh, disrespecting the former players by not allowing them to be involved? I do. Again, I said that before. I think they're disrespecting the, the, the guys that came before them, you know, literally before Artie and, and John Carpino. You know, even someone like a Tim Salmon to not retire his number when 
up to this point until Trout, and again, some people might still think Trout Trout is Mr. Mr. Angel. Some people might think um, Salmon's Mr. Angel. I don't, you know, both are right, I guess. But but to this point, for him still not to have his number retired, and every single time a new player is 15, and and Angel's Twitter or Angel fans are like, well, that's that's Salmon's number. What is he doing wearing Salmon's number? You need to retire that thing. You need to retire that thing. Show the respect that he deserves by retiring that number. I guess, you know, between what Rod said and that, it I don't know what they're doing with, with former players. I don't know what why they don't feel the need to show them off. You know, be proud of what they've done. I'm really surprised GA's number hasn't been retired. Me too. He's one of the guys too. I think Salmon and GA for what they'd meant to that team for as many years that they've been on that team, they should be retired. I mean, you look at the tw- uh, the O2 World Series, or probably, and this is just me, and I'm sure everyone kind of has their own person for whatever reason, but you give me the top three names that come to mind in the O2 World Series team. Again, just three. I'm thinking Salmon, I'm thinking GA, and I'm thinking Percival. Those are my top three in, in whatever order, but those are the three names I think of when you go O2 World Series. Again, Erstad, um, K-Rod, uh, uh, you know, Gloss, Lackey. There's there's a bunch of guys that obviously are synonymous with that championship, but if you're telling me three names from that championship team, I'm going to give you Percival, Salmon, and Garrett. And that's just mine. I'm sure other people have their own three, but you have to show those guys respect, and I think – already isn't doing it the front office isn't doing it i just i don't understand why not i guess that's my biggest thing is why not Artie has not yet been a guy to come out and talk to the media he doesn't do that now um you know and i think that's the biggest thing if i were able to talk to him and if he ever hears this podcast i probably would never talk he would never talk to me but if i for a reason if i lucked my way into talking i would i would that would probably be one of the main questions i ask him why aren't more, you know, past players involved, um, whether it be retiring of jerseys or just, you know, promotions and stuff, something general like that it doesn't even need to be around the team. Why can't we get a salmon retirement on a Saturday against um, the Seattle Mariners? That, that would sell out. Why can't we get a GA retirement against um, Baltimore at Angel Stadium? That would sell out. Why can't we get this stuff done? It, 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 is it because they weren't good enough? Is it because they weren't in the Hall of Fame? Like, what? what is your standard, I guess? But um, they're in the Angel Hall of Fame. You would think that means something. Being in the Angel Hall of Fame would mean something about getting your number retired. I guess not. But, you know, I guess one of the good things about not being affiliated with the Angels uh, is that I can talk about Artie and how crappy of a job he's doing as an owner, and I don't have to worry about getting canceled or anything like that. I don't have to worry about being... Um, now, now I'm losing my train. I don't have to be uh, Rosenthal and the MLB Network and them coming after me and losing my gig. So, I guess that's a good thing about it. You know, you t- you you listen to AM830 and Trent Rush and those guys on there, and they do a great job. But already owns AM830, and they're not necessarily going to talk anything bad about those guys. Anyone that's you know obviously connected to the franchise in that way, whether it be TV shows radio shows, I don't know, podcast down the line. I know Trent Rush has his podcast or whatever. You do have to kind of take with a grain of salt because they're not really going to ask those kind of questions. And Artie doesn't seem like the type that will facilitate those questions. Even if they are asked, he's 
doesn't seem like the guy that's going to answer them and definitely not answer them truthfully if he does. So, again, Artie needs to step his game up. The whole Angels front office needs to step his game up. Um, I think this is obviously on the business side of it. I don't think the GM or any of those guys on the player side need to worry about that stuff. This is obviously a thing coming from uh, the president, uh, owner, and everyone from the business side of um, of the Angels. He doesn't want to talk to the fans because he doesn't want to hear what they have to say. He wants to do it his way and make Angels fans and other fans upset. Yeah, I think that's kind of – I honestly think Artie in a way is – and again, he's a billionaire. A lot of billionaires, I'm sure, are like this. He thinks his way is the best way. And damned if you're going to tell him it's not. Um, John Carpino, I'm sure, is trying to hold on to a job. So I'm sure he doesn't push back on a lot of what Artie says. So obviously, he's. Uh, I feel like <laughs> calling him a yes man is probably too harsh. But, you know, he's probably a yes man. But Artie, I feel, because he's a billionaire and he's made a tons of money doing the way he does it and no one's told him otherwise and he's probably, if people that have told him to do it some a different way, he's probably proved them wrong. And that's kind of carried over to his baseball life as an owner, I feel. So, um, yeah. And for before people say start, sell the team, sell the team, yeah, I don't know. That, that's a slippery slope. I don't think uh, he's going to give it up willingly and I don't think there's anything really besides – Unless he comes out and he's done some shady shit and is connected with some shady people, you know. But other than that, running a shady team or running a team a shady way, I don't think um, constitutes him having to sell. It sucks as fans, but Artie's here for, for a while, and, and it kind of sucks. But hopefully the team can almost win it in spite of him, and hopefully we'll find out after this lockout that Perry has the controls for this organization and can run it the way he wants because – um, I think Artie or I think Perry can put make this team a competitive team and compete for a division. And, you know, when you get in the playoffs, you just have to get hot at the right time and ride that wave. And the Braves showed it. You just have to get hot and you can win a World Series. And hopefully that's what happens in the in the future, in the near future with some of the guys that they're picking up and the guys that hopefully are going to be um, developing in the system. But we'll see what happens. But, yeah, you know. Definitely don't think Artie's going to be the reason why the Angels win. He might tell himself he is, but I think as fans, we all know if the Angels win, it's probably going to be in spite, not because. Um, his way has us eight losing uh, eight straight years, uh, has us losing eight straight years, and not the best way. He needs to do better, and if he can't do that, then he needs to sell. He's you know, but he also won a bunch of division titles, I believe, in the beginning of his um, tenure as owner. So, and it's almost like the confidence, like it almost, if you were to, if you were to buy the team, and this is something that's interesting that people can think about, or you could think about. And if you have any, if you have any comments or feedback on any of the topics we talked about today, email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. We'll make sure to read them on the next podcast. But this is something I think about. If Artie didn't have the success he had early with the angels and the divisions that he won, would he be so, you know, um, stuck in his ways does he feel that well it worked at the beginning so why isn't it working now it must be everyone else it's not me where if he bought the team and maybe the team struggled for eight straight years and then had a run of division titles does that change his mindset because when he got here it wasn't going well I, I you know something to think about something that I kind of think about a little bit now and then is just sometimes success early isn't the best isn't the best thing because you get kind of set in your ways and you don't evolve. And I kind of feel like 
already thinks he won those division titles early in his tenure as owner, and he's willing to just be that guy and not change. And that, that sucks for angel fans. So, um, they won so many division titles because Bill Stolman. Yes, the GM. But like you see in a lot of sports and a lot of teams and a lot of different organizations, when teams win, the owners do feel like they have a big part of it. And it's probably not true. You want to talk about Jerry Jones with the Cowboys. You want to talk about um, Steinbrenner when he was with the Yankees. Obviously, he, they did more winning, but he always felt like it was because of him and, and not because of the GM. So yes, they won because of Stolman, but Artie probably feels like they won because of him. And when it comes down to a power struggle, Stolman probably wanted more money because of the winning. And Artie probably thought he can do it by himself because he was there and he let him go. So, you know, we'll see what happened. We had the players back then to win the AL West titles. Now we don't because of the Artie signings, because of the Pujol signings, because of the Hamilton signings, because of the C.J. Wilson signings. Those are Artie signings. When you get to that kind of a threshold, that much money involved, those are, and I said it before on last podcast, and I'm sure I said it in other podcasts, those are um, owners uh, signing those checks and making those deals. Those are out of the hands of the GM. That is a lot more money than they want to handle, to tell you the truth. And go to... to Artie and he's the one that makes that deal so kind of talking about now our last topic of the day and again you can always reach us on our Instagram halo underscore haven um, our Instagram and our Twitter same handle emails at allangelspodcast at gmail.com again we talked about the the hall of fame we talked about uh, angels not really supporting the past if you listen to the podcast and you want to give your two cents you know whatever go ahead and email us it's probably easiest because you can have more of a longer platform email us allangelspodcast at gmail.com we are going to start doing more week weekly podcasts as the season gets closer and closer and closer but before the season gets closer and closer and closer we the players and the owners need to come to agreement to end this lockout good news is after today after tuesday there has been two consecutive days of negotiations between the players and the owners. Um, Obviously December 2nd was the lockout. You had zero negotiations until about a week ago when the owners put out the very first um, offer sheet for the, for the union. And obviously the union wasn't going to take that. There was a bunch of stuff in there that um, like I said before, when you go and haggle for a car, haggle for, you know, um, anything you always start high especially if you're selling you're trying to you're trying to sell high and you'll work your way down and that's what kind of the owners did and i feel like that's what the players did on monday they they gave their piece they said this is what we want now some concessions have been made on the second day in a row of these negotiations which is obviously obviously the bright side of it um but it's still kind of a process in uh in the works um, one thing is that the players did kind of just give up and throw their hat and said, okay, fine, we won't fight you on it, is um, players getting uh, becoming free agents earlier. Right now it's six years of, of uh, service time. They wanted five. It looks like they're going to stay with six. They kind of said, okay, we understand that's not a moving point for the owners, so we'll 
let that go. Uh, MLB agreed to accept perm. Uh, I, I guess the easiest way of putting it, they they agreed to have more money available to players and pre-arbitration if they are a if they're good players if their total WAR is over thirty in that time frame. I believe. Um, now the amount of money that's going to be available to teams is kind of up for debate. Um, you know, the player association is sinking a hundred and five million dollar bonus into that kind of pool of players in pre-arbitration. Um, the league is around 10 million. So obviously that's a huge divide. Um, you know, the minimum salary is one of those things. MLB offered minimum salary raises to, uh, 615,000 the player association wants the minimum to be around seven seven hundred seventy five thousand right now it's about 550 if i remember correctly somewhere around there so they want to kind of up the minimum um there's also talk about a draft lottery for tanking players want eight teams in that draft lottery baseball only wants to bottom three teams in that lottery that's probably going to be settled to like five so there are there is movement there is stuff going on there's a lot of stuff that still needs to be talked about and worked on but again the good thing is that they're talking the good thing is that they are kind of moving forward you know and i guess in honor of the playoffs for football if you look at it like a football field i think and again this is just my opinion you know, they were December, December 2nd, they were on the one yard line. They were not going anywhere. They're back against the end zone. They were on their own one yard line. Now, after three, three talks and maybe another one next week, I kind of feel like they're around the 25, 30 yard line. Um, hasn't crossed the 50 yet. They're working their way there, but they still have a little bit to go. Um, next week should be another meeting. And honestly, if, if, and this is me thinking if they don't get a deal by next week, which I don't think anyone thinks they will players and or pitchers and catchers report dates are going to get pushed back. I said this before, whenever they do become come to an agreement on terms for the lockout, there's going to be a period of time where they need to do free agency and trades and all that stuff before they actually get into pitchers and catchers and ultimate spring training. So if you look at it, Next week is like the two-week period of pitchers and catchers reporting. So unless there's an agreement and you can kind of get the free agent stuff rolling, pitchers and catchers aren't going to report on the on the days a lot of people thought. So again, I kind of I'm still in the kind of the boat where best case scenario, spring training gets cut down to two two and a half weeks. You play your full season. Worst case scenario, you have like a two-week spring training with like a 150 game. Um, season they cut into a little bit not a lot enough to scare both sides about losing money but enough to where you'll still have a the vast majority of a chunk of a season to get that stuff back um, 150 games obviously we'll be losing 12 games I don't think is a huge hit for the owners and again that might be what it takes to shake both of the sides up the, the players not getting paid and the owners not getting money either so I think that will be the worst case scenario. Again, best case scenario, I think at this point is spring training two, two and a half weeks and a full season, but definitely not starting on time. Definitely going to make some kind of tweaks to spring training. You know, um, obviously minor leaguer guys will be out there at the beginning of March, like they're normally supposed to, cause they're not covered under 
the CBA and they don't aren't part of a union, so they'll start working out there. And maybe they put on as a TV thing, as a TV product for Angel fans. Maybe they put some of those games on TV. I don't know what, and that helps um, the owners get some kind of money, I guess. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see what they do if they put the minor league guys on TV. You know, you see a Jordan Adams type. You know, you see some of the guys that were drafted last year, the pitchers that were drafted last year. Uh, Jeremiah Jackson, do they get TV time because they're not on on the 40-man roster and they can be out there in Tempe and train? So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out in the next few weeks. Um, but we'll kind of keep it week by week because it does feel like now that there's going to be meetings every week almost um, with the players and the owners. And hopefully, as we sit here at the end of January, they are very, very close to making an agreement. One can only hope. One can only keep their fingers crossed. Um, I'm all for a short and spring training and a full season. If that's the worst that happens, then so be it. I'm fine. I think we'll all be fine. Um, I think we'll all forget all this happens in, um, you know, August and September if the Angels are involved in some kind of a playoff or division race. We will all forget about the whole lockout situation. So, again, um, check us out if you're on Instagram Live. Thank you very much. If you're not on Instagram Live and you're and you're listening to this on the podcast, get to Instagram Live. I try to do this as much as I can. Uh, take your questions live from there. But if you can also, but if you can't get there, you can also DM us questions. You can also email us questions. Again, Halo underscore Haven is our social media feed, both on Twitter and on Instagram. And our email is allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Again, allangelspodcast at gmail.com. And a quick shout out to the guys at Super Halo Bros. Uh, they shouted me out last, their last podcast. They do a great job. So, um, I'm pretty sure they're going to put out another episode fairly soon, maybe at the same time this one drops. So after you listen to this podcast, definitely head over there. Um, subscribe, rate, review theirs and ours. Um, I'm really looking forward to having those guys back on when we get closer to the season and hopefully when this lockout's over and we can actually really start looking into what's going to happen or what we hope is going to happen for the season. Um, again, Super Halo Bros, big shout out to those guys. Subscribe, rate, review um, all that stuff, guys, trying to grow this podcast more and more. Uh, we appreciate the follows. We appreciate the downloads. We appreciate everything you guys do to help this podcast grow. Sometimes we might not agree on certain subjects, and that's great. I want that. I want some more feedback. I want something. Well, did you ever think about this? Or, you know, maybe over a certain amount of time, if you wanted to actually come on and talk on the podcast, we can work something out. So, um, if you have a differing opinion, great. I love to hear it, love to see it, love to read it, need more of it. Thank you very much. Look out for our next episode. Um, we'll be next week. Not sure if it's going to drop Tuesday or Wednesday yet. I am looking forward looking forward to talking to OC Registers. Jeff Fletcher he has a new book coming out about Shohei Otani. If you haven't seen that, definitely check out um, Jeff Fletcher on Twitter. He's uh, hyping that book up as he should. Uh, right now we are scheduled to talk on Friday and after editing and all that stuff, we'll probably drop it next week. So if you listen to this podcast, you have a question for Fletcher or just maybe a topic you want me to touch on, email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that interview is happening Friday morning. So if you want to get in on that or ask a question, definitely email us, look for that interview to drop, uh, next week. But I'm really looking forward to talking to Jeff Fletcher of the OC register on Friday. Fingers crossed, have it all set up. But, you know, life happens sometimes. Hopefully uh, everything works out and we're able to do this. So 
Until next time, thank you everyone out there for listening and downloading. Uh, I am Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? 
In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.